Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. After doing Scott's Bucks battle plan for the offseason on Monday, we did Mark's Bucks battle plan for the offseason on Tuesday. We broke down on the podcast. Today, it is my turn, John Ledyard of PewterReport.com, to be grilled mercilessly by Scott Reynolds of PewterReport.com for my Bucks uh, battle plan for the offseason, for the 2021 offseason, which includes, if you haven't looked at it, go over to PewterReport.com, check it out. Should be up there in one of the most recent stories. Yeah, it's a good one. It's, it's okay. I mean, yeah, I like I'm not going to say that it's like better than what Jason Light's going to pull out the way that guy's been rolling, but yeah. I think it's a realistic plan. And guess what, Scott? I already got the first two things right. Franchise tagging Chris Godwin and re-signing Levante David. It was even at a rate very similar to the rate that I had for Levante right. David. So right. I'm, I feel like I'm off to a good start. You are. Um, I think in hindsight, after reading my plan, Levante is probably kicking himself. I was going to pay the guy $16 million a year. So, <laughs> so Yeah, you really wanted to bring Levante back for a lot, Scott. <laughs> I did, yeah. I mean, he's he's an original Buccaneer, John. We I think you and I have talked about it maybe off the mm-hmm. pod. I mean, there's there's two levels, right, to the Bucks Ring of Honor guys. There's 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 players like like Warren Sapp, you know, that, that are up there, that, uh, you know, John Lynch, that – that longtime Buccaneers, obviously their glory days with the franchise, won won a Super Bowl in two thousand two. Then then there's that 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 next level. That's the Mike Allstotts. That's the Derek Brooks, the Rondé Barber, the Paul Grubers. Those are guys that were lifers when it comes to Buccaneers from start to finish. Their careers were only in one spot. That's Tampa Bay. Even a guy like Doug Williams uh, was a, a Buccaneer. Great, helped get this team to the NFC Championship game, knocking on the Super Bowl door in 1979. That was the original glory days of the Buccaneers, just, what, four years after the inception of the franchise. Mm-hmm. But obviously Doug Williams goes on to win a Super Bowl uh, and, and become really an icon as the first African-American uh, quarterback in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl champion quarterback, too, I right. might add, with the, with the Washington Redskins back in the day. So. So, yeah, I mean, Levante, David, that, that's a fantastic deal. It's going to make him retire as a Buccaneer. He will be a Bucs Ring of Honor guy and certainly hope, and it looks like he will be a Buccaneer for life kind of guy too, in that same class as the Brooks, the Barber, the All-Stop, and the group. Right, right, certainly. So we'll talk about my Bucks battle plan a little bit for the offseason, a big free agent running back that I would have the team target. I say big, as in he would fill a great need, not necessarily be a lot of money, uh, but we would, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about oh, – Quickly, the impact of the Levante yeah. David and Shaq Barrett roles as John, well. John, I'm mentioning some guys like Mike Allstott, Derek Brooks, uh, Paul Gruber. Know what they had in common? They all had the orange sickle jerseys. It was crazy. Oh, this sounds like it's time for our sponsor to give a little bit so. of a word. <laughs> I was crushing my cell CC today. What you got? The peach vibe? I got the peach vibe. Yeah, I'm feeling this peach vibe, man. I I yeah. got up this morning for my workout. I was like, I need a little kick. Like I get up 5:40 every morning, get, try and work out, and I'm like, I need a little kick. Ran over to the fridge, grabbed this peach vibe out. Had a great workout as a result. I'm telling you, it's it's great the way that it gives you the kick without any of the bad stuff, any of the sugar, anything like that, right. and you don't get the letdown after. I felt great the whole day. I've been crushing work. <laughs> no crash. That's the great thing. You can crush with no crash. And if you want to find out how to get Celsius, click on those banner ads on pewterreport.com, those Celsius banners. They'll take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk, do a subscribe and save, save even more money. Uh, if you're not sure which flavor you want to try, you can you can order the variety pack there on Amazon. But if you want to buy them single can and try them out one by one, you can go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, put in your address, and you'll find out the places nearest you that sell Celsius. So go, go grab a can and check it out. And let us know what you think. Uh, Mediocrity Incarnate says, just found out that they sell Celsius in my grocery store, even though I'm on the West Coast. Love it. That's Love right. to see it. You're starting to see Celsius more and more and more places. It's it's becoming huge. Everybody's drinking it, so it's, and it's really good stuff. So definitely check it out. Uh, Odson says, 
Love seeing the Saints having to cut players, keep cutting them, LOL. Yeah, yes. this has been – so the Saints have cut Emmanuel Sanders, and um, they did franchise tag Marcus Williams to safety. They've cut Emmanuel Sanders uh, now, and they've also cut um, – shoot, now the name is slipping my mind. Who else did they cut, Scott? They cut uh, Emmanuel Sanders and – somebody will say it in here before I think of it. Who was it? Yeah. He was the latest. I mean, they, they've, right. they've still got a lot more cuts to do. It's like, right. you know, how, do you, how do you get out of a hole, John? You dig yourself a hole. How do you get out? Well, the first thing you got to do is stop digging, right? Oh, they'll cut Quan, of course. Quan Alexander. Right. Yeah. Quan <laughs> Alexander. Right. But it's it's like the, the Saints couldn't help themselves. They had to dig it a little bit deeper by franchising Marcus Williams yesterday. Now, I get it. I think Marcus Williams is the best player in their secondary. I think he's slightly above Marshawn Lattimore, the cornerback, who's very talented. Yeah. Uh, so I understand keeping him, but but gosh, doing that at eleven million dollars, and that's probably his market value. But now you you, you got to cut even more guys. We saw Emmanuel Sanders; he's going to be just just the next of many cuts coming mm. for the Saints in coming days here. Right. So one of the interesting things for the Saints, and again, we'll just touch on this quickly because it, it relates to the Bucs. They've kicked the can down the road so much. Now what they're going to have to do, and this may not sound bad on the surface, here's their situation. though: They're going to have to basically sign all of their guys now to big long-term deals. That would be right. giving more money to Jerome Armstead, giving more money to Ryan Ramchick, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, probably restructuring Michael Thomas and, and maybe adding to his contract. Again, they need more years on these contracts. Right. They need guys to agree to low cap hits this year to get under the cap and have to pay them. Guess what? Yeah. The Saints as an organization are in a bad spot negotiating with those guys. Those guys' agents know they got them in a vice, right? Like the, oh, yeah. They have to re-sign them long-term, but they need the softer cap hits this year. So they're going to make the Saints backload those contracts the Saints are going to do everything they can to they're going to sign good players to long term, which seems yeah. like a good thing on the surface. But the reality is they've all got to maintain that level of play, basically. And with no money, they've got to find a quarterback picking at the bottom of the draft with a roster that's good. It just makes it very hard to be able to compete at the again. This is a Super Bowl type of window they're considering and they're yeah. not they don't have a quarterback for that right now yeah, I, so I, their I situation is very difficult long term yeah i think the saints window closed and uh very and possible is, is with sean payton and his ego they're going to try to keep that window open but all they're doing is letting in cold air and and the house is is going to get freezing cold and and uh it, it's it's just not going to work so yeah, um, the, the bucks are trying to avoid right now thus right. Levante, but they also want to be able to keep everybody. You have to do yeah. it a little bit to the extent the Saints have done it, though, is a different story. So when people try to compare the two, the Bucs haven't prorated or pushed money down the road before, and, and the Saints did it for years. Well, the right. Saints are in the extreme. The Bucs are trying to do that a little bit. If they did it again next year with their, yeah. all the 2022 free agents, then it could become a concern. But doing it one year like this with a couple players, to me, that's not a big deal long-term, especially with the cap absolutely going up significantly once these TV deals uh, get wrapped up. So I don't think the Bucs are anywhere near the concern level of what the Saints are in terms of contract structures long-term. The important right. thing to think about when you think about what they can offer Shaq, there's a couple questions here as we twist this to Shaq, and then we'll move on to, to my uh, Bucks battle plan. Sure. But Shea White Tony wants to know, John, is Shaq really that good? I mean, I guess I want him back on the team, but I feel like we're overvaluing him. I get that we don't have anything behind him, but he's just not that consistent. So here's my spiel on this, uh, Scott. Mm -hmm. Shaq is probably not going to be a top three paid edge in the NFL, no matter what. Not the, even the best deal is going to get him there, I think. That belongs yeah. to Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack. Right. Khalil Mack's at $23 million per year, $90 million guaranteed. I don't think yeah. Shaq is going to approach this. By the way, I wrote about this over at PeterReport.com. Again, should be one of the most recent stories posted. But it's a great kind of overview of the Bucks free agent situation as it stands right now in their current contracts. So if Shaq isn't at Khalil Mack money, is he at Demarcus Lawrence money? He's the fourth highest paid edge per year right now in the NFL. I think he's closer to there. That's about that would mean he could get a, a deal of about $22 million per year offer. That yeah. would be the high end to me of Shaq. More mm -hmm. realistic is 19 to 20. If a team just went nuts and he wanted to hit free agency, the worst the Bucs are going to have to deal with, I think, is Jacksonville or a team like that offering him more money per year, two or three million more per year on average for a four-year deal probably. Right. Here's the catch. The Bucs might not be able to match the per year, but they could match the guaranteed money, which is the most right. important thing. So they could still do that. It just wouldn't be quite as much per year. There are other ways the Bucs have to compete with this uh, for Shaq Barrett. One way of looking at it anyway, I still think their chances of bringing him back are really good. My yeah, question to you, Scott, is 
is it worth it to you if Satine goes, we're going $21 million a year for Shaq Barrett? Is it worth it to you to give him that kind of money? Do you think that he's that good, or do you see other solutions out there for the Bucs? Um, I don't see any solutions. Uh, obviously, the, the best solution is the ones that you already have in your roster, right? If you have a, a homegrown player that's that you're ready to think is is ready to step into that role, you just need to give him an opportunity. Um, Anthony Nelson's not a player. Uh, he no. hasn't done that at all. Cam Gill is just too much of an unknown. Uh, I love the half sack in the Super Bowl, but, I mean, that's like, what, 11 and a half sacks uh, behind Shaq in terms of what Shaq did last year, including the postseason. So, um, the thing is, is you can have a good pass rusher. The Buccaneers signed, I remember in 2014, the first pass rusher Jason Light signed, it, it really it, it was at, at Lovey Smith's request, Jason mm-hmm. signed off on it, um, but was was getting, um, uh, gosh, what's his name, Michael, Michael not Michael Smith, um, golly, the, the name's escaping me. Who, who are you referring to? Uh, the defensive end from from Cincinnati, six foot seven guy. Oh, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson. Thank you. I was going to say Michael Smith because he was a. I just used a Michael Johnson comparison for a yes, prospect in this. Michael draft. Johnson. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he was so bad that I, I wanted just to forget him, which I did. But um, so it's not that Johnson wasn't a good pass rusher. He just wasn't a good fit in Tampa. Yeah. He actually played a year in in Tampa and and you know, played himself out of playing in Tampa and then went back to Cincinnati and I think had a, a right. better year. I actually forgot he was in Tampa. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did it too. Was forgettable. <laughs> but the thing is, is, is it's, it's sometimes it's finding your fit. Yeah. And, and Dexter Jackson was a Super Bowl MVP in, in Tampa with the Buccaneers. But uh, when it, when it came to the Arizona Cardinals, he went out there and just his NFL career just completely unraveled because he wasn't a good scheme fit. So Shaq Barrett is productive in this scheme. He plays very well next to Vita Vea and opposite Jason Pierre-Paul. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's really hard to find somebody that can come in and replace that production. Is Shaq Barrett worth $21 million? I don't think so. But the problem is, is sometimes you have to overpay a little bit when you don't That's have right. the better option in there. And trust me, I think what Jason Light wants to avoid is is losing Shaq over like a million or a million and a half dollars per year to another team. Then all of a sudden, Jason Pierre-Paul gets hurt in, in September, and the Bucks just have no edge rush whatsoever. And, and they're banking on some rookie they drafted in the first, second, or third round to come in and be that double-digit sack guy as, as a rookie, which which rarely happens. Mm-hmm. So just play it safe. I mean, you, right. you, you want to get back to the Super Bowl. Levante, David did you a solid yesterday by reducing the cap value down to 3.5. If you got to overpay a little bit for Shaq, we know it's only going to be guaranteed for maybe two years. That's how, that's how these deals get done with Mike Greenberg, the cap wizard at the helm. So why, why not stretch it a little bit and, and go get Shaq? Yeah, I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head there because it, it is stretching a little bit, but it's almost what you have to do. You can't really, in a, in a Super Bowl window, yeah. can you really afford to lose a pass rusher? Then what happens, Scott? I mean, you've right. seen Jason Pierre-Paul's health. I mean, yeah, he's been on the field as often as possible, really, but he's had significant injuries off the field. He dealt with a knee all last year. He's, he's going to be 33, or I think, yeah, he's going to be 33, I think. I mean, it's just reality is what it is. The body breaks down at a certain point. I'm not saying that he won't play 16 games this year, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to bank my whole pass rush on Jason Pierre-Paul off the edge. You know, you yep. need that other guy. You don't have another guy on your roster. If they had, you know, if somebody talks about, mentioned Bud Dupree, and I know they're talking about him for the Bucs, but look at Bud yep. Dupree's situation in, in Pittsburgh. They tagged him, and then it was kind of like, we know we're not going to be able to pay him to keep him around. Yep. And so we draft Alex Highsmith, and we have him ready and waiting. The Bucs may have tried to do it with Anthony Nelson, you know, to an extent, but it, not it wasn't. Guy. he's not the guy. And so yeah. you know it. Whereas Highsmith and the Steelers, they think he might be the guy. So yeah. you've kind of got to do it. Um, I don't think Shaq's a top five or top 10 edge defender in the NFL, but I think he's top 20, top 15 potentially. Um, and I think he's a good player. He's been healthy. Uh, he's motivated. Uh, he works hard. He's a great character guy. I think you're going to get consistent effort and consistent production out of him. I, agree. I don't know that he's going to be a game-changing type player, but he changed games in the playoffs. He was really, yeah. really good. And so, and, and the value he brings is he's a credible pass rusher opposite Jason Pierre-Paul. So he makes Jason Pierre-Paul better. Those two guys, those bookends, make each other better because yeah. you can't focus on one guy because the other guy's going to get you. And so right. I, I think that's the value too. I saw that in Kansas City. Uh, you know, I, I saw it in in Washington. Growing up, I uh, I, I was you know was was born in, in in Northern Virginia, Alexandria. The first team I liked was the Redskins. Right? They had Charles Mann and Dexter Manley. 
right? Mm-hmm. I moved to Kansas City. They had Derek Thomas and Neil Smith. When you have those bookends, um, it, it just helps. And and so I think if you take away Shaq, it's going to hurt Jason Pierre-Paul's production the next year. It just is, especially yeah. coming off of a second knee injury. There's a good question here from Mark Fisher. We'll, we'll get to your your uh, your battle plan here in just, just about 10 seconds. But Mark mm-hmm. Fisher asks, does playoff bonus money and playoff incentive clauses count against the cap? And, and it does. And we see that with Tom Brady. Tom Brady is on the books for $25 million this year. That's a $15 million base salary, a $10 million roster bonus, exactly the same structure as it was in 2020, his first year at the Bucks. However, his cap value this year is not $25 million. It's yeah. $28.375 million. Why? Because he hit $3.375 million worth of bonuses. So Tom Brady got more expensive. That Super Bowl MVP, uh, you know, that that was costly to the Buccaneers. So that's why the Bucs are working feverishly to get that that cap uh, value down for Tom Brady. So they have some room for a guy like Shaq Barrett just because uh, they if they extend him, which that's what they're trying to do right now, extend him and then lower Brady's cap value this year. Mark, we appreciate your donations as always. We appreciate everybody's donations and super chats. So, John, let's get to your – your Bucks battle plan here. Let's start with free agency. A lot of these guys we're going to kind of roll through here. Um, you mentioned Chris Godwin. Got the franchise tag already. Your line mm-hmm. of thinking was great. You got Shaq, oh, yeah. Barrett coming back, Levante, and Dominica Sue, Rob Gronkowski, Ryan Suckup, Ross Cockrell. Those are the big names. You you got some other guys on there as well. But just your, 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 your thumbnail sketch on re-signing those key players for the Buccaneers. Well, yeah, I think it's about creating the space first. And someone just asked, what is the Bucks restructuring extending priority? Long lost Glazer asked for our guys, uh, you know, is Brady, Marpet, Jensen, Evans, Donovan. It's a good question. Uh, I talked to a cap guy today. I said, okay, what's the priority? What happens next? Obviously, the, the, the moving Brady around, converting some of his money to a bonus um, is probably the first priority. Seems like it's first priority for the Bucks. You can also restructure Ali Marpet or restructure Mike Evans to get, create cap space. I won't get into too much into the details. You can also extend a player like Ryan Jensen or a player like Jason Pierre-Paul for a year, slide some money around very easily. Remember, the 2022-2023 cap, not a concern right now. It's the 2021 cap that you want to try and manage. So they could slide some money out a year for those guys or your two for maybe for uh, Jensen, slide some money to those years uh, quite easily, and they could create cap space. The other option is cutting Cam Braid or cutting Will Golston or cutting both of them or pay cutting both of them. And um, so there's options and flexibility there as well. So you've got short-term options. The long-term options are Donovan Smith and Carlton Davis. You could do a long-term extensions for Donovan Smith and Carlton Davis now. Now, I asked the cap expert that I was talking to, Brad Stabilberger from Pro Football Focus, who was on here as a guest. I asked him and I've asked other cap experts as I talked to him, which of those kind of is more likely a little bit. And And they they think most of the time the tackle gets priority. I'm just not sure whether the Bucs want yeah. to commit long-term to Donovan Smith. You know you're ever going to pay Tristan Wirfs at some point. You're probably going to want to get out ahead of that before the price gets right. gets to be too ridiculous. But um, I think they could look to extend those guys. That is probably less likely than all the other things I said right and, now. And John, I think you've touched on this before. It's important to, to talk about it again. Does Donovan Smith want an extra year tacked onto his deal? I think the biggest thing with Donovan Smith is that he knows he's going to be 28, I think, in hip free agency, right. probably coming out for another good season. When you're pass protecting right. for Brady, that tends to help things out. Yeah. So my guess would be it's not a one-year deal. It, and well, the cap expert I talked to, he said, yes, it would have to be a full-length deal. So yeah. when you talk about extending Donovan Smith, means you would be committing to five years of Donovan Smith, yeah. four years added on to his year yeah. this year. That's the kind of contract you'd be looking for. Less than that is very unlikely because he knows this would have to be equivalent basically to what to free agency. You, know, you might not want to take the injury risk of playing another year, so maybe he'd extend now, but it would need to be a nice, sizable deal um, that pays him on. Now, you could spread out that cap hit, but right. it would be need to be that kind of a contract for Donovan Smith. Right. For Carlton Davis, you might be able to get him done at a decent rate. Again, corners haven't exploded yet. Right. If the cap goes back up, corners could explode. That one might be a little bit more manageable to me. Mm-hmm. Davis also may want to wait. He said he got a lot better this past season, and he's covering number ones. And if he gets free agency, he's probably going to get paid really well if he has yep. another year like that. This year, I think you could get Davis at a decent rate. So he's one to keep an eye on that we haven't talked about. I'm not sure we've heard anything to that extent with Carl yep. Davis. I'm not reporting anything. I'm just saying it's one to keep an eye on because there are some things to where it makes sense, and we know the Bucks have valued him. Marion's called him a top-five corner. And league, right. so um, so yeah, interesting. 
Um, All right. So, so let, let's address your new free agent side. Right. So, I, well, I like this. Let me add this real quick, Scott. So sure. I say all that to say that's what has to happen. If that happens, and again, the long lost Glazer saying he's worried looking at the cap right now. I think the Bucks are actually five million over uh, long lost Glazer, so more than even the three million you're suggesting there. But it really yep. doesn't matter that much because they can create so much space so easily, and they probably are already in position to do so, just waiting for that moment. And Brady's probably the the ripple effect. Um, but that space can easily be converted to more space. And remember, if Shaq Barrett signed long term. His cap it could be seven, eight, nine million this year. You know that there's no, there's nothing that says his cap it has to be, you know, twenty million this year. It, it won't be. Um, exactly. So they can manage things that way. That is what gives me hope. And the way that the way they structure Levante David's deal gives me even more hope that Indomitian Sue, Rob Gronkowski can return. They also have leverage with those guys. I don't think they want to go anywhere else. Um, so those guys they can either they can bring them back, incentivize their deals. Um, Suckup, I don't know. I'm not sure what is going to happen with Ryan Suckup. We'll have to see, but I have them him coming back on a two-year deal. And yep. then I have Ross Cockrell coming back too. I think in a normal year, Ross Cockrell could have could have gotten more money, Scott, on the market. My my big question with Ross Cockrell is, is he in that in-between stage where he played himself up a little bit, but in this offseason, guys that are falling that middle tier, and we'll talk about another one at running back in a second, I don't know whether they're going to – obviously the high-end guys will get paid. But the yep. guys that fall in that middle tier, mm -hmm. to me, Scott, I think those guys could settle for one-year deals and try to hit something bigger next year or get a, a more important role next year. Cockrell right. may fall into that category where there's nothing out there that great for him. He might see a path yep. to playing time with the Bucs. Those young corners, they have, nobody's locked in yet to anything long-term. And so he might see a path to some playing time. The Bucs love him. They might pay him a little bit decent money, gets a mm -hmm. chance to compete for another ring. Then he's able to hit the market again. He's not too old, and he could help a team out and potentially be a third corner somewhere. Right. And we, you mentioned Suckup just a second ago. The interesting thing about Suckup is because he was signed for the league veteran minimum, mm -hmm. there's a stipulation that comes with that, which is that player cannot be re-signed until the start of free agency. So there's a little asterisk by, by Ryan Suckup. Just because the deal hasn't been done yet doesn't mean they don't want him. They literally can't have – negotiations with him until monday with yeah. his agent and, right. and so he's 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 a he's a buccaneer but he's kind of not so in other words they, they can't re-up him like they can levante before free agency so on monday they can start negotiating with his agent on wednesday at four o'clock they can sign him they cannot sign ryan suck up until then so he's kind of been back burnered and that's that's by design because they literally can't do anything with ryan suck up until next wednesday at four o'clock and, and that's when they can put ink to paper and, and get him re-signed. I expect that they will. Jason Light has has certainly uh, uh, looked under every rock for a kicker, and he found one. And it, it's there's no coincidence that the best kicker in, in single-season Bucks history uh, was on board during the Bucks' second Super Bowl season. So uh, I, I think that's that's coming. So don't don't worry about Ryan Suckup. Uh, this is a name that really intrigued me, John. Jamal Williams, when, when you and I talked about that, I, I thought, wow, this, this is a great addition. Because while Mark and I had James White uh, in there as a pass catcher, he's, he's, really, he's really literally replacing LaShawn Le, McCoy. He's, he's a better version of Shady. In other words, he's strictly a third down back. He doesn't offer much in the way of, of running the ball. Now, that's yeah. different with Jamal Williams because this guy essentially replaces Leonard Fournette. He is Correct. a legitimate runner, and he is a legitimate pass catching back out of the backfield. Just to just to highlight some statistics, and I'll let you talk about them. Five hundred and fifty six yards, four hundred and sixty four yards, four hundred and sixty yards, five hundred and five yards. That's four years in the league. The guy has averaged four yards a carry, and has had no fewer than four hundred and sixty yards rushing in any season. That, that's really mm -hmm. good as a complimentary back to Aaron Jones catching the ball. 25 catches, 27 catches, 39 catches, 31 catches. In no year has he had fewer than 200 yards. He's averaged just about eight yards per catch, and he scored eight touchdowns through the air. So I really like Jamal Williams. Talk to me about it. Yeah, no, I think you highlight a lot of the good stuff there. I mean, why I'm really bullish on Jamal Williams being a potentially good signing for the Bucs, first of all, I think he falls in the range, Scott, that you aren't going to break the bank. I mean, you're not going to running back, period. But in this offseason, as a guy who's been a four-year backup in the NFL, who's a little bit older already as a player that's looking for their second contract, 
I really just don't – I think Jamal Williams will be in the category of player that doesn't quite get what they're looking for in free agency, or maybe he's already aware of that and he's you know resigned himself to one- or two-year deal somewhere. I, I don't know that he is going to be super expensive. There's nothing in his profile, as consistent as he is. He's a consistent, well-rounded guy, but he's never really had a moment where you were like, man, Jamal Williams could be a star if he gets somewhere else like some of these other backs that hit free agency for the first time and they get paid and then teams find out they're just a guy. I think everybody knows he's just a solid, dependable type of player. He's a really good pass protector. He, In fact, because he's a good pass protector and a good receiver, again, not a dynamic player in space, but just a good receiver, reliable hands, makes plays in the red zone, runs good routes, occasionally can break a tackle or two. Um, he's not a game breaker, doesn't have grain breaking speed or anything like that. Again, you're getting what you're paying for with a guy like this younger than a James White, I believe, um, and, and he can protect. And that's the big difference between me. Like, White is a pass catcher, but you, you, I don't know. I mean, he's he's been a decent protector in his career. I don't know that he is that right now. It, it, and Williams is that. He's gotten Aaron Jones off the field for years because of what he can do in, on passing downs. And he's a good runner. I mean, he, if, you, if a guy goes down, he can be a solid runner for you and get what's there and run through contact. Um, he's again, he's not a super creative guy, but he's he doesn't lose yardage either. He doesn't try to do too much. He's just the type of back that you want to bring in and be an additional guy. You can get him for a two year deal, spread out the cap it a little bit. Again, maybe he's three million a year. I think that you could get him for that. You might be able to get him for less in a year like this. I, I'm not really sure. We are in the dark. I could be wrong. Somebody could love Jamal Williams. But I'm just looking at the cap situation, Scott. There are hardly any teams in the league. The average cap space right now is 13 million. And you might yeah. create create cap space for other people, but are you creating cap space for Jamal Williams? I just don't think you are. Um, so this could be a two million dollar one year type of thing where he's trying to hit the market again next year. He right. sees the opportunity that Leonard had and wants to split carries with Rojo and maybe even sees that job because he knows he's the better receiver. He doesn't know they're going to draft at this point already, obviously. And so he sees the situation. I think the I think the fit makes sense. Now, some people brought up the fact fact that he made fun of Tom Brady before the in the fourth thing <laughs> yeah. before the Packers Bucks game. I just think that's Jamal Williams being. He's a goofy, funny dude. Ask anybody in Green Bay media; they love him. But he's. I think that's just him being him. Yeah, and and I think the thing is, is when, when you look at at uh, at Williams, it, it gives this team some longevity because. Uh, He's going to get more touches playing next to Rojo than he would with Aaron Jones, where Aaron Jones was the lead dog, right? So yeah. I, I think that that's, I, I think that that that's a really good fit because he could be, you know, he could be a guy that that rushes for six, seven hundred yards, right, and has a little bit mm -hmm. of a boost, and then the Buccaneers feel better about their backfield. I know you 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 draft a running back as well. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get to that, John, in just a few minutes. Yeah, that that's that's the important thing to know, Scott. Even if you plan to draft a running back, you're picking a 32. You don't know who you're going to draft. You don't know who's going to be on the board. You will not go into the draft with the running back room as is. If Leonard Fournette's not re-signed, and I think he's going to get more than, than somebody like Jamal Williams, if he's not re-signed, then you are going to – the Bucks will have to bring in somebody in free agency. Yeah. Because, again, LaShawn McCoy, Kenyon Barnett, those guys aren't options. They're not going with just Rojo and Ke Keyshawn Vaughn into the draft. I really don't believe yeah. that. And so, yeah, I think that they're going to sign somebody. I don't know if it's Jamal Williams, uh, but I think they're going to sign somebody. And I think that uh, the fit could make sense. And I didn't even know David Raycroft saying Rojo trains with J Jamal Williams. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I don't follow the IG stuff with a lot of these players. I need to start doing that so I can see who trains together. But good chemistry in the running back room. Yeah, that's a good point there as well. Right. So you've got another Packer uh, that I think is really interesting. When you first talked to me about this, you actually, you sold me on this idea. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, who seems like he's been around since the 1980s. I mean, this is a guy mm -hmm. who's a former first-round draft pick out of UCLA, the Jacksonville Jaguars, way back in the day. I think, I think that's back when Dirk Cutter was was with the Jag Jaguars. Uh, so tell me yes. about Mercedes Lewis, who was a Packer last year. Well, he kind of grew up in the same era a little bit as Tom Brady, so they could relate a little bit. He's actually still significantly younger than Brady, which is crazy because it feels like you're right. Mercedes has been around forever. He's going to be 37, so he's still crazy younger than Brady. But, I mean, he has said, I have no plans to retire. He's been around for forever. Um, he's he, he has been a, a solid, reliable receiver. Again, very simple stuff. Can you know pick up some underneath stuff. He's not going to be featured in that role. Why I like Mercedes Lewis is he's he's chasing a ring. He, he, if Green Bay yeah. doesn't resign him, he wants to go win a ring somewhere. He doesn't at this point. He really doesn't care about the money part of it. Right. That part part obviously makes sense with the Bucks. 
The other reason I like Mercedes Lewis, other than the, the fit of the championship quest and not really caring about the money, which the Bucks will prioritize and anybody they sign, is that he is one of the best blocking tight ends in the league still yep. to this day. And put Jason Pierre-Paul on his butt when they played the Packers right. in the regular season. I have not seen Jason Pierre-Paul get manhandled like that by anybody, not even a yep. tackle. So six two sixty seven. Yeah, he's he, he is long arms. Yes, right. He is the he's the Joe Haig replacement and the Cam Brate replacement. You have to do that, by the way, when you're cr- crunching the cap. Yep. Fill one, fill two roles with one guy. He can he can do that. He can give you that kind of blocking. Again, the Bucks like to go twelve and thirteen personnel when they want to run the football. Gronk's a good blocker. OJ Howard was improving as a blocker last year. I thought significantly before he got hurt. I was really impressed with that. But you ultimately, you're you look at Joe Haig snaps. You want to sometimes line up and punish people. Yeah. Well, now you can do that with a guy like Mercedes Lewis, and he's a real asset in that regard. The Bucks run a ton of duos, so they leave their tight end isolated with the D end a lot. And has to be a good blocker. They haven't really had that until Gronk. Lewis will give them that, and you can throw out a 13 personnel now and not drop the ball in the back of the end zone, Joe Hag. Well, and and the thing is, is, you know, again, he was basically a blocker. He's been that the last couple of years. I mean, uh, the last three years in Green Bay, three catches, 39 yards his first season. In 2019, he had 15 catches, 156 yards, 10-yard average, and a touchdown last year. 10 catches, 107 yards, and three touchdowns. But even at at age – 37, which you're talking about, John, you're talking about reliability when it comes to being a blocker. He's also reliable for an older guy. Started 16 games his last season in Jacksonville in 2017. Um, uh, He he dressed for all 16 in 2018 in Green Bay, dressed for all 16 in 2019 in Green Bay with 11 starts. He started 15 out of 15 games he played in last year. The, the guy is remarkably yeah. reliable given his age. Great in the locker room, high character, veteran, been there before. He's the type of guy that would fit right in in Tampa Bay. Again, quest for the ring. I mean, he's never won one. He's barely been in the playoffs. I mean, obviously the last yeah. with the Packers of recent, but that's, you know, most of his career was in Jacksonville, not doing much. Right. So, uh, yeah, he – and then right. Justin March really is, is a special teams demon from the Cowboys who's going to hit free agency. Cowboys are tight with the cap. Maybe they bring him back. But, again, I just wanted to add something to the linebacker room a little bit. They just don't have a fourth yeah. guy right now. I do think Kevin Minner will be back. If they he doesn't back, then I think signing somebody like March is even more important, a good special teamer as that third linebacker or a yeah. fourth linebacker if that's what you need to be and you draft somebody. But I think that that's uh, – they, they need to – he really uh, replaces Jack Sitchie, who just can't yeah. stay healthy. Yeah, and, and Chappelle Russell didn't work out, and so you're still trying to find a little bit of depth there, and I think he's a good cheap option uh, in terms of depth there that isn't too over the hill yet. At the, at, in John, terms of if I'm looking at your Twitter handle right, it's Ledyard NFL Draft, right? Right. I mean, this is your time of the year. You love this, right? <laughs> this is – this is this is just as fun as as the regular season for you, John. Yeah. Okay, so so let's take a look at at John Ledyard's seven round Bucks mock draft. Now we're talking. By the way, about, these are some beautiful graphics, Scott. You did wonderful. I appreciate job. that. So you're, we're talking about uh, drafting an edge guy, right? Because you're going to re-sign Shaq Barrett, but you know Jason Pierre-Paul coming off that second knee surgery in as many years. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, he's 31 now. We saw him really kind of fade physically down the stretch. Uh, outside of, of the uh, uh, the Super Bowl, which was a good performance, we had, he had a week off, and then of course the Packers game. But uh, he only has so much gas left in the tank, and you need somebody more reliable. You got to you got to get somebody in there that could be the eventual replacement. And boy, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, talk about this guy, John. Oh yeah, I really like Jalen Phillips. I think he's the best pass rusher in the draft. There's a chance he's the best defensive player in this draft. So why is he on the board at 32? Kind of a rocky start to things in college at UCLA. Super talented. Uh, it didn't really work out. He had three concussions. He medically retired. There was some off-the-field stuff and concerns. He wasn't really focused on the game. He came, He went into the music industry for a year, came back to, the, to, to college football, transferred to Miami, changed and transformed his body during a redshirt year from 218 pounds, like 266 pounds, rocked up, saw a dude all in up for the game. It takes commitment to do that. Um, to get your body right like that, went out, dominated after being away from the game yeah. and barely played at UCLA, just dominated in the ACC, we had great production, but also just really good tape. I mean, even when there wasn't production, there was good tape uh, against everybody that they played, consistent, good run defense, can bend, can jump up, can get a great jump off the ball. I, I love I love the fit. I think that this is the type of locker room he needs to be in. It seems like he's matured. 
Um, and so, you know, I'm hoping that we get him on this show once uh, when, uh, in April and we can talk to him and get a feel for it. Again, I don't know whether it's likely or not. I don't know what's likely or not on a year like this, whether Phillips going to be on the board. He's right now, according to grindingthemocks.com, which is a cool website you can check out, he's the third most uh, t- most drafted buck right now and a player mm-hmm. to the bucks right now. So there is a, there's a big possibility that Jalen Phillips could be on the board, but like I said, right now it's, it, it is hard to tell at this point who's going to be available and who isn't in the draft. So I gave him a player. I just feel really passionate about and would love the fit. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, too. I mean, if he, if he's there, I think that's a hell of a pick for the Buccaneers and more importantly for Jalen Phillips, John, you know, th- this is a, a player that, that was healthy last year and productive. Yeah. So he didn't show any of those concussion signs. He was healthy. He was energetic, uh, you know, energetic out there in the mm-hmm. field and energizer bunny. He he looked every bit the, the yes. first round draft pick, and uh, and, and I, I think that was that's a great sign. I, ironically, he kind of replaced uh, um, uh, Gregory uh, Russo. Is that yes? You, know? you got it. Yes, he, Russo opted out, and this guy stepped in yeah. and, and really became. Gregory Russo for yeah and and Phillips and and while Russo was the one getting top five hype before the season yeah Phillips was the number one recruit in high school uh coming out of college coming out of high school I mean to college when he went to UCLA he just wasn't very much until this year from him so we didn't really have the hype surrounding him going into the year but he's clearly the superior player to Gregory Russo in my opinion and so would love for the Bucks to be able to land him all right, so in this trade, you have the Buccaneers trading out of the second round to pick up some picks. So with your second pick of the Buccaneers, which be in the third round, you've got North Carolina running back Michael Carter. I had Javante Williams in my draft. Um, I, I like Carter an awful lot too, man. I mean, you talk about just being blessed. The, the yeah. Tar Heels last year, really the last couple of years, having both of these players. And Carter showed at the Senior Bowl that he could really compete, even though he's the smaller prospect at five foot eight about 200 pounds, but this guy can catch the ball, John. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think, you know, with the way I handled free agency, the Bucks don't need to go Najee Harris early or anything like that. I, in my assumption with taking Jalen Phillips, I thought maybe Jalen Phillips was off the board, or sorry, that Najee Harris was off the board at this point. I, I just didn't think that he was maybe going to be there. And, and reading what some others and, and Bob McGinn's things uh, today, his article on The Athletic Today, seeing kind of what, scouts think about Najee Harris I think that I made the right decision I don't know if he's going to be there at 32 Um, so I was like okay what's next you know assuming Javante Williams probably won't be there at the end of round two can we trade back get a few more picks add a fourth rounder you know in this scenario Cowboys moved up uh, Bucks moved back uh, into round three uh, dropped 10 spots down to pick 74 still got a good running back in Michael Carter who I thought had really good tape he is smaller 5'9 200 somewhere in that range um, he is a smaller player. I don't know if he's going to be an every down guy. Don't ha- doesn't have to be an every down guy this year. But again, it's about getting a good player who can protect. He protected really well on tape. Yeah. Uh, he caught the ball really well, runs good routes, even makes plays on the ball down the field a couple times. And so I love what he brings to the table. I think the fit could be a really good one. I talked to, on an earlier podcast about he'll have to get used to different running tracks in Tampa right. Bay if it happens in terms of the where they ran in North Carolina and how they took the handoff and things like that. But that's an adjustment I think you can make. Very confident kid. Um, I think he's going to work his tail off, and I, I think it would be a great pickup if they're able to move so down. Really interesting because, you know, Mark and I, we, we both had the Bucks signing James White, which I think they might do because of the connection with Brady. Um, and he's kind of that, that pass-catching running back on third downs and then Mark was had the Bucks drafting Najee Harris. I have them drafting Javante Williams, going with that younger guy. But you're taking a little bit of a, of a different tack here. You're you're getting two young guys. You're getting Jamal Williams to be that that Najee Harris, uh, Javante Williams, the guy that can really split the carries with with Ronald Jones and has some upside as a runner. And then instead of James White, you're getting a guy that's really a younger uh, version of James White yeah. that that that's that's a better runner and receiver probably at this stage, not as experienced obviously, but, but certainly has the credentials coming out of UNC. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that I, I love what Carter brings to the table. Obviously he is probably a little more James whitish, but I also think you're getting a good, good running ability from Michael Carter too, probably better than and you faster. get from, from James White. Yes. Yeah, faster. So you've got a good player in, in both for sure, but Carter is going to be cheap, very cheap. I think obviously, yes. Um, where they're going to draft him. And and again, younger, and I think that matters. I, I'm really curious what James White is going to do. Obviously, to a lot of tragedy this uh, this past year with him, with yeah. his parents and the car accident. And um, so, 
you know, I think that I don't know what's going to happen with James White. And, and so, you know, and it's been a while since he produced also in the NFL, yeah. really. And so I think maybe we're clinging to a connection there with him and Brady right. that, that might be past its time, might That's not true. be. I don't know. I mean, it, yeah. it could not be. It very well could not be. I just wonder that. And so I like the opportunity to go through the draft and free agency, but I want to do it cheap. If you're not getting a star like right. Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, I want to do it cheap. You're right. And if you can trade down to do it, I would love that because the ability to get more picks is really Michael important. Carter reminds me a little bit like Warwick Dunn, who had a really good run here in Tampa. You know, yeah, uh, I can see it for sure. Yeah. All right, so uh, this was a this was a guy. Yeah, the next the next two picks are guys we've had in our Peter Report mock draft going back to to February. Uh, in in our first mock draft, we had Wisconsin Whitewater Center Quinn Miners. Then we've also had East Carolina offensive tackle Dante Smith. But talk about those two guys, John. Uh, Miners just had his pro day yesterday, and and there was snow on the sidelines up there in Wisconsin, right? They they shoveled the field, and the snow was on the sidelines. Here's Quinn Miners out there running with no shirt on in shorts, saying cold weather doesn't bother me. But this is a guy that that really didn't play last year because of COVID. Uh, he's a small school guy, so uh, all of those guys didn't didn't play, and but had a really good week at the Senior Bowl. And then also Dante Smith was was a senior bowl guy as well. So talk about those two guys kind of together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dante Smith, I'm really going off the senior bowl performance and the upside there. I mean, I think that he obviously needs a year, needs time to develop. He needs time to, to add some muscle to his body, not dissimilar in a lot of ways from Alex Kappa. Uh, but the potential, as it is with Alex Kappa, is high for a guy like Dante Smith. And so – that's where I want to see him go. You know, if Kappa has another great year, he's going to get paid in free agency somewhere else. I mean, that's the way he played this past season. If he were a free agent right now, hadn't gotten hurt, he would be getting a big deal out of the top cards on the market. That's really the direction, the trajectory his career is headed in. I see that with Dante Smith at tackle, but he has to land in the right spot. He has to get development. He has to be able to add to his body. It's still a projection. Those guys, a lot of time, they don't work out. So in the fourth round, I feel comfortable with it. It's the pick they got from the Cowboys, 115. So they're able to make that, that pick. In the third round with Quinn Miners, okay, I've talked about Quinn Miners over and over again, Wisconsin Whitewater Division Three kid, but he has everything the Bucs want. I don't just attach the Bucs to every small school guy. I, I didn't last year. They Everybody was like, Ben Barch, Ben Barch. I didn't see it with Ben Barch on tape. Right. I didn't see the type of guy that the Bucs typically drafted. This year, I think it's a distinct possibility that Quinn Miners is their type of guy. Obviously, we've talked about the connection with Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, him being big fans of those guys, those guys being his heroes. Um, him appealing to a lot of the things, but even mentality wise, he is just the type of guy. He's a grinder. He's physical. He works out in the woods. You know, he's just, yeah. he's got that old school demeanor mentality. And remember Ryan Jensen's a free agent. Yeah. Uh, Miners has been a center. He's been a guard um, or he's practiced, played at center and guard at the senior bowl. Yeah. He played guard uh, for, for the, for Wisconsin whitewater and practiced at center. So he's got the ability to do both. I think, um, I, which is big because you want, yeah, Bucks need a backup snapper right now. They don't have anybody right. who can who can snap really that's around right now. So they need to fill that role and they need to plan for life after Kappa and or Jensen. And I think he's able to give them one of those two answers for sure. Nasty, physical. Everybody wants to mock Levi uh, Onzerike from uh, um, from Washington to the Bucks at, at thirty two or maybe even the second round. I mean, he kicked Onzerike's ass. That's all I yeah. know uh, when they were there. So again. I think that with him, with minors, it's really about can you get him right. to that point where he's going to be able to develop and become one of your starters. To me, is all that ability, and this right. year, you don't have to pay a premium for it in free agency, which the Bucs aren't going to be able to. You better be able to address it in the draft. And he's got long hair, too. He's got that Ryan Jensen, Alex Kappa, long hair that, uh, that Jason Light likes. So uh, so you, you double up on offensive line in, in the, the middle of the draft. Uh, then let's go to the next two picks. Talk about those two guys together. Two defensive tackles, right? The kid from USC, the kid from West Virginia, two different types of players. Yeah. For sure. Uh, for me, Marlon uh, Tuipoloto uh, from USC, he is like a very safe player, good run stuffer, just not really super valuable. And I bet he slides down the board because of it, because there's very little upside. But he's a really solid player. He can he can do everything you need him to do. He's not going to be a great pass rusher, but he looked at the senior bowl like he could at least dent things as a pass rusher. My big thing with with Stills and Tuyo Pelotu was I don't want to reach for a defensive tackle in this class. It is not a good defensive tackle class. 
that is basically universally agreed upon. So don't take one early. You've got to plan for that and what you do in free agency. And you've got to develop guys in your roster. Just the reality of the season. You can't fight against reality and draft like reality isn't real. It's still real. And you're going to take bad players early in the draft if you don't do it. So wait, stockpile a couple guys at the position. Next year, you'll probably have to address it. It'll probably be one of the top concerns. Um, but you, you bring back Sue. You put yourself in position where you don't have to worry about it a ton. Your depth may hurt a little bit. You grab another veteran right before the season starts for cheap. Those things are all possible. You could bring McClendon back for cheap too. I mean, those things are all in the wheelhouse, but don't reach for somebody. Tuyal Pelotu can play this season early on. He can give you some rundowns. Other nice thing about him, he's played all along the defensive line at USC. Been a consistently high-graded player for PFF, consistently good against the run on tape. Very little upside, very little in in the pass rush game but he can fill in if a guy gets hurt and do an admirable job all along the D-line. I think that's important to pick up. And then Stills, they've already had a virtual meeting with them. Really kind of an interior rush sub-package guy, never going to be more than that. So, again, upside's probably limited, but he's kind of the opposite of Tuyo Pelotu where he can give you a little bit of something on passing downs maybe if you need a guy like that off the bench. Energizer Bunny, nonstop hustle, yeah. undersized, really kind of similar to Nacho in that way, might just yeah. kind of carve really, something you know out what? of his career. Kind of similar to Khalil Davis, and and really, and people think well, Khalil yeah. Davis is on the roster, but he's only a sixth round pick. I mean, he's not a lock to make the the roster this year, right. and and so you you look at at still, so you bring in very similar guy. Davis is a little bit, uh, you know, heftier at three oh five. Stills is very undersized, 6'1", 285, where Davis is 6'1", about 305. So, uh, but but you're right, very very much like like Nacho, kind of the Energizer Bunny type. Six sacks in 2019, came back for his senior year and uh, and got those six sacks in, in 12 games, only nine games last year, West Virginia. Three and a half sacks, did have an interception. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he's, he's definitely a, a player that will have to come in with the chip on his shoulder and, and you know, com- and compete and probably yes. knock out Kilo Davis for a roster spot. But but I do like you doubling up this. This is not a good defensive tackle class, right, John? No, can't fight it. Just yeah. got to accept it. It's not. Right. And so you got to be able to work with what's on the board, four to five posi- other positions where it is good. And yep. uh, yeah, you can go from there. They did get the six round compensatory. Thanks for the $2 super chat, Lawrence. It's been yep. a while since we got some super chats in here, man. I hope that picks up as we get into free agency here. That'd be nice to see that pick up. But uh, thank you, Lawrence Lowe. Yes, they got the six round comp pick. My uh, briefing, or sorry, my battle plan was out before the six round comp picks was a net were announced. Yeah. So it was already and, published. So we just didn't want to go in and change things. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is we, we, we kind of said, we did not sure the NFL makes that determination yes. when, when these come into play, when the compensatory picks, there's right. no set need that they're announced. So we just kind of said across the staff, you know, we're not going to give the bucks the compensatory because we're not sure when it is. Right. It literally came out about an hour ago and Mark and John and I've already had our, ours up. So you're not going to see right. the compensatory pick in, and Matt Materis tomorrow or Taylor Grizz Jenkins on Friday as well. So keep that in mind. But just to, to finish out the draft here. Yeah, let me mention this about the comp picks real quick. Yeah. Just interesting to note, the Bucks had the first comp pick in the sixth round, which means, as my understanding of it is, that they just lost out on a fifth-round comp pick yeah. uh, which for the Brashad Perryman contract. I get it. Uh, I knew they were on the fence for it anyway. Over the cap did their projections. They said there's a very distinct possibility this late fifth-round comp pick for the Bucks could end up being an early sixth-round comp pick. They were right, just barely, so good call by them. Even though they had it projected in the, in the late fifth, they, they left that door open to potentially be wrong about that with the formula. Also of note, man, it sucks that Jameis Winston didn't get paid somewhere because the Bucks could have gotten a decent comp pick for him. The fact yeah. that he didn't do – I mean, he was probably the most surprising – player to have no market in a lot. I mean, yeah. no market. I'm not talking about Clowney, like overestimated yeah. himself. Like one and, like, year, got, what? A couple yeah, million. Like two million. million. Like, I mean, not even enough to register a comp pick, Scott. Jameis right. Winston. Yeah. To be the first, I mean, to lead the league in passing and then not get anything for that guy as a comp pick. I know, I don't think it's the Bucks' fault. I just, it's crazy to me. Uh, and I don't think anybody could have anticipated that. So yep. just kind of part of the deal. And it just sucks a little bit. Right. So you got to, in two seventh round picks uh, for the Buccaneers, uh, BYU wide receiver Dax Milne. And then uh, you've got a, a player that, that Mark actually had, I believe, in the fifth round in his mock draft, yeah. Janarius Robinson, the FSU edge rusher. Right. I, so I put Janarius Robinson, and I, even though mine came out a day after Mark's, I wrote mine, I think, before Mark, had, or at least at the same time Mark was writing his. 
And then I went and looked at Mark's and it was published. I'm like, oh, because I was going to surprise him with an FSU guy. And he'd already <laughs> done the same thing. And so, uh, yeah, Janaris Robinson, toolsy guy. He flashed a little bit at the Senior Bowl. He could go earlier than this. But, again, it's just all potential. He was a big recruit, I think. It just hasn't really happened. But FSU, I think they've been really poorly coached. Uh, I think there's an opportunity for guys to continue to get better when they get to the NFL from FSU. I think you've seen that with somebody like Brian Burns. Mm -hmm. And so that possibility is there for Janarius Robinson. Worth a flyer late. Um, he'd be Mr. Irrelevant in this scenario. Maybe yeah. he goes earlier than that. I don't know. Uh, BYU guy, Dax Milne, a uh, vertical guy. Uh, he, he went up and made plays down the field all season long. Lots of contested catches. Hardly any drops. Great hands. Reliable. Exploded this year playing with Zach Wilson. Hey, when, you know, when you talk about exploded, John, this was a, a guy that as a sophomore. Yeah, a non-prospect. Non catches for 285 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. A 13.6-yard average. The next year, last year, as a junior, 70 catches, right? Like 49 more catches, 70 catches for 1,188 yards, a healthy 17-point yard average. That gets the Bucks' attention. That's that's a big number. The Buccaneers, when they look at wide receivers, and you can go back and look whether it's Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, yeah. Scotty Miller, Justin Watson, these receivers they've drafted, they look at that yards per, per catch average. They like the guys that can stretch the field. 17-yard average uh, for – for Milne, and then he also had uh, eight touchdowns, John. Yeah, for sure. The, mo the I mean, and shout out to Ren here. Ren says Jameis ate our comp pick. It's <laughs> a pretty good one. Um, you know, the thing with Milne to me, Scott, was he just made plays all the time, every game. I mean, Zach Wilson put the ball in a good spot, but he went out and got contested catches consistently. And again, like you're talking about, a, you know, bottom of the roster guy. So want a grinder, you know, a guy that's going to do some things on special teams that he profiles in that way with the way he plays the game and. You know, it's a long shot, obviously, in the seventh round. Not many of those guys have stuck on the Bucks roster out of the seventh round picks over the years uh, for, for Jason Light. And so you're hopeful that, that he's one of those guys and beats out Justin Watson. Yeah, really good stuff. I mean, you look at, at uh, uh, this this draft, uh, I, I, I think, and I, I don't want to speak you know too highly of the Pewter Report staff, John, but I think whether it's mine or, or Mark Cook's or yours, I think the Buccaneers couldn't go wrong with either one of these drafts. Yeah, I agree. Hitting on needs – Hitting on some depth, hitting on some some future potential stars and starters down the line. Once you know, maybe a guy like like Jalen Phillips, or you know, uh, uh, I'm not going to say Janoris Robinson necessarily. That's a little bit more of a reach, but but maybe Ellerson Smith, the guy I had in my mock. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if if they if they can develop, you're you're in a room with Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, right? It's it's a crime right. if you don't learn something from these two guys that have proven they can get to the, uh, the quarterback. So uh, really good stuff, you know, and, and, and the, the thing John is, is, is um, we love these, these bucks battle plans. They're, they're fun for us to do they're, they're kind of exhaustive because there's a lot going on. You got a 53 man roster prediction. You can see John's. If you click on his article, we talked about the draft. We talked about free agency. There's a lot there. So it's almost like we're playing a bit of a, a fantasy football, John, Right. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of the cool thing about it. Appreciate that, uh, Ren, uh, very mm -hmm. much. We, we really put a lot of emphasis on the offseason when it comes to free agency and the draft, as you know. Um, and and uh, we, we appreciate you uh, recognizing that. Uh, one of the cool things is one of our new sponsors. We talked about this yesterday um, on, on the pod, and, and we're going to do so again. This is Symbol. The, the, you probably saw – Yep. The, the sponsorship of the Bucks Monday Morning Mailbag. Symbol's the new sponsor for us for that, and we appreciate that. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol has blended stocks and sports to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off of your favorite teams. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 2,000-plus Early adopters, including myself, I just made a deposit, who've started to invest in their favorite teams, the stock market for sports, just a tap away, create a free account in seconds and start profiting from your sports knowledge. The cool thing is the Sim Bucks franchise value this week is $37 a share. Go to symbol.app backslash Peter Report. You're going to get a $10 deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code Pewter. So really cool, uh, innovative way. Right, to cash in on all of this day trading stock market buzz and uh, and fantasy sports. Yeah, very yeah, cool very thing. Cool. And, and Ren mentions, mentions the NFL, NFL draft, draft and kind of where 
Pewter Report has taken NFL draft coverage uh, involving the Bucks for for years now, and it's something we're going to keep expanding on. One of the reasons ways we're going to do that is uh, through Locker Room and the show that we'll have tonight, actually. So shortly or after 7.30, I put the kids down. I'll get on Locker Room, the app. Uh, if you don't know, Locker Room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. Again, tonight, right around 7.30, if you you download the Locker Room app and follow Pewter Report on there, I'll be doing a live show tonight on there. Last week, we had an awesome show. We had great discussion about the Bucks free agent options. We'll recap some of that and talk about that as it pertains to the Lante David re-signing and uh, and um, Chris Godwin uh, getting the franchise tag. But yes, that is one of the things that we'll be doing. And tonight, we're also going to talk about my edge defender rankings. So if you're on there, you get a sneak peek into my edge defender rankings, which are hopefully coming out this weekend, early next week at pewterreport.com. So you get to ask me some questions about that. I'll give you a sneak peek into the order that I have, guys, and we'll talk about that. you got to keep the information secret once you find it out. But it'll be a fun show tonight on the Locker Room app. Right. So, so yes, I'm sorry, said, by the way. I just want to say I'm sorry to Anthony. Yeah. Still need locker room for Android. I know uh, those guys are working to develop things yeah. on their end. That's obviously not part you know, part of our deal, but they do. I think last time I talked to them, they do have uh, plans that, for that. So I apologize to Android users right. um, that well, that's not available. Here's there. the thing, John. Jeremy Corp says these 4 p.m. shows are killing me. He's at the workplace till 4.30 as a result. Uh, when are we going to see these special night wins again, guys? Well, that's the cool thing. If, if you can't tune into the show – live you can catch yeah. us on youtube all of these shows are archived just go to youtube.com backslash pewter report tv or just uh, look for us at pewter report tv on youtube click the subscribe button and then when you do that click on notifications and you'll find it every time we're live we're going to be doing some night shows later perhaps next week if there are some significant developments at night that warrant some some shows john yeah so we can do that during the week of free agency our draft shows which are not really Peter Report podcast or our draft special. Those are going to be uh, Thursday night, Friday night for the draft. So we will have some some night shows coming this offseason as well. But the cool thing is hop on that locker room app at night, mm-hmm. 730 to night Eastern time with John. And, and we have some other Peter Report staffers that, that join uh, in the discussion. Yep. So you can check that out as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Zydrate wants to know Peter Report gear for Super Chats, $20 Super Chat. For Zydrate, Zydrate, very much appreciate that. We'll have to look into doing some gear, maybe yeah. giveaway. That's something we've talked about more recently, doing some stuff like that. So we'll let you all know yes. for sure. We, we got some things in the works. So that's, that's right. We certainly appreciate that. This was a good uh, statement here from uh, Scott Federico. Yeah. You guys don't seem to give Kilo Davis much of a shot of developing. Do you have inside info? I was hiring him coming out of the draft. The thing is with Davis and guys like Tyler Johnson is – there was no offseason. There was no OTAs or minicamps. There was no preseason. And gosh, John, a guy like Kilo Davis, he would have had that fourth preseason game all to himself. He yeah. would have probably played if you add up all the snaps between the first preseason game and the second where the starters don't play as much as they do in the third. Kilo Davis probably plays the equivalent of about two games in mm-hmm. August if we had a preseason last year. That would have really, I think, uh, put his development and, and other guys like Tyler Johnson – um, you know, on, on more of a meteoric rise within the organization. It's just, it's so hard for defensive linemen to develop as rookies to begin with. And yeah. then you don't have a preseason or an off season. And, uh, and they're really kind of, uh, swimming upstream the entire rookie year. Yeah, I didn't talk about him on this show, but I actually have him making the, the roster in my – if you go look at my Bucks battle plan, I have him making the roster and probably having to play a, a pretty decent role because I have yeah. him, Stills, and Tuio Peloto making the roster. So you're talking yeah. about young guys you know, that haven't played much. It's going to be that kind of year, defensive line, I think, you know, depending on whether McClendon wants to retire or not and if they can bring back Sue, obviously. But after Sue, Golston, and Vea, it might be a young group. I mean, I don't know if you can bring back Nacho. and So we'll see how it plays out, obviously, but – yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think we said anything negative about Khalil Davis. Just didn't right. talk about him in terms of uh, this show, maybe. But yeah, I think potential. They'd love to see Davis develop, and I'm hopeful that he can. The biggest thing for us is, like Scott said, we just haven't seen him. <laughs> like we yeah. don't see practice, and he didn't play him in many games, and there was no preseason. So, you know, we just have very limited view. Uh, but everything we've heard, you know, has been positive for Khalil yeah. Davis. So how he develops is going to be huge. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, so tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, we're on with Matt Matera, right, talking about his Bucks battle plan. 
we are going to grill that guy. Uh, we are not going to let up on that guy. I mean, he's, I'm going to rip some of the things he no, – I'm just kidding. I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. I might. I mean, I might. I'm not going to hold back. If I really think so. I'll, I'll let him have it, and I'll let Taylor have it on Friday. We're doing a special yep. show on Friday. Taylor's going to come on and talk about his Bucks battle plan. And as always, we'll keep talking about whatever's happening going on in free agency, whatever we're with Shaq Barrett, Ryan Suckup, and Dominic Sue, and Tony Brown, Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, all those guys. We'll keep covering all that. Also, I saw the AB conversation happening earlier in the chat. Not going to talk about it on this show. We will talk about it in future shows. And if you're on Locker Room tonight, I have much touch on the AB thing and why I did not have AB coming back to the Bucks in my battle plan. It's not for the reasons that you might think uh, if, if you saw my battle plan. Uh, so talk more about that tonight if I get some questions about it on the Locker Room. If not, we'll discuss it on a later podcast for sure. So appreciate you all for tuning in. Great show. Thanks so much for everybody listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.